0: Well, good morning, church. It is a privilege to be with you again this morning. Uh, each time I have the chance to be here and to speak to you all, I'm reminded of the blessing that you all are, are to my family. Um, I came to Rocky in January of 2008. At the time, I was teaching, but I knew that God wanted uh, me to eventually go back to the mission field, and I was looking for a church that would be a good supporting church, and little did I know how good and how well I would be supported 15 years later. Of course, this was before I was married. Little did I know how well you would uh, give me a chance to exercise gifts and then send Julie and I out first to seminary and then beyond uh, to Asia, where we went in 2014, and have been serving with the IMB ever since. It's especially fun that leaving to go to Asia, now coming back, I find my brother, the one who's normally in the pulpit here, who's leading our church. Um, It's it's a joy just to have a shepherd like him. You are privileged, we are privileged to have him here. And it's really a, a, a fun joy to be able to start off this mission week and to help kick it off. As you may already have heard, the theme of this year's mission is one body, many members, one mission, sparked by Paul's admonition from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So today we're going to look at the first two pieces of uh, that theme, one body and many members. Well, next week, Troy is really going to focus in on our one mission as the church. So let's pray to begin our time. Father, what a privilege it is to be able to teach Your Word, to be able to gather freely, without shame, without fear, with hundreds of others who you have called, who you have redeemed, who you have captured their souls, bringing them to you, making them into your worshipers. May it be this morning as we continue in worship that our hearts will be turned to you, that we will see ways in which we can better serve you, better proclaim your name, both to each other, To those around us and to the ends of the earth, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So, a little over two years ago, in September of 21, uh, our sweet little girl, Vivian, began to tug and pull out clumps of her hair. She has had some different neurological tics her entire life, so although we were alarmed, it didn't really make a lot of sense to us why she was doing it. So for a few days in a row, she's pulling out more and more hair until she had no hair on either side of her head. So I was telling Julie, it's obviously a little bit challenging, more so maybe for the mom, thinking about where are we going to put barrettes and how are we going to style her hair. Uh, I told her, we, we just need to cut it out. We need to cut it so short that she can't grab onto it so she won't pull it anymore. So I got out my hair clippers I normally use only for myself, and we cut her hair very short. Well, that evening, or that night, she, still frustrated, but now she can't pull any more hair out, she rubbed her ear on her crib sheet for must have been hours on end while we were asleep, to the point where she opened up wounds all across the side of her ear and down onto her face. And it began more than three months of really difficulty for our family, because those open wounds when a girl can't sit up on her own and she scoots around on the floor and she lays on her side. They eventually became infected. And as we tried to get antibiotics for them, they weren't working. Eventually she got a staph infection, and it just continued It spread to the other ear down onto her chest. And it was, it was really a challenging time for us. Uh, Julie and I were just speaking when we were thinking back over the last five years, what was the hardest time. It wasn't a spiritual attack. It wasn't you know, a really difficult time in ministry. It really was those three months with Vivi. We went, for months, every day we would have to hold her. Um, and if you know her, she really dislikes to be held. She likes to be on the ground. But as she's on the ground, she's scooting around, she kept reopening the wounds over and over again. We would, every, every morning and after every nap, her crib would look like a war zone. Because she moves around in the crib and she would just, it spread blood everywhere. It was really very challenging. Eventually, we got her on good medication, and after about three and a half months, cleared up. But at that point, right when her healing was finally happening, the skin was finally healing up, she was messing with her ear so much that she damaged the cartilage in her ear, kind of like a wrestler does. So her ear then, her cartilage started expanding, in a sense like wrestlers, maybe you've had this experience before. So we tried to get that dealt with in uh, Singapore, and we were on our way back here to visit you uh, two years ago, and she ended up back here having to have surgery on the ear. And what we found is most likely… The cause of all of that, the cause of what gave us great distraught for almost four months, was a simple ear infection that we just didn't know of and went undiagnosed. So all starting with something so small, an ear infection. If you're a parent of kids, of course, each of your kids have had ear infections. Normally they'll, they'll grab their ear and tug on it. If they're a baby or if they get a little older, they'll say their ear hurts, and you have a, a kind of a sign to know, okay, here's the problem. But with Vivi, we didn't know. We had no idea that was the issue, but yet caused so many issues throughout her entirety of her body, and then not just her body, but our entire family, and really limiting what we could do in life all because of one simple ear infection, and that's where it started. I have, I think, a picture of her right here. During that time, we ended up covering her head, covering her hands, doing everything we could to keep her away from it. It's quite a little sad, pouty face. All starting, though, with simply one small ear infection. You know, this morning, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 through 27. If you haven't already opened your Bibles when Troy read it, please keep that open, because we're going to reference different places in it. And we're going to examine some concepts of the church. Paul continues in his letter to the Corinthians, and at this point, when he's talking to them, he's giving them this analogy that the church is Christ's body. And he assumes that they already know this. They've already heard this before. Most specifically, verse 27 of chapter 12, he says that, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. But he had mentioned that idea already before. Chapter 6, verse 15, he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So he's talking about that connection we have as members of Christ's body. And then he's kind of looking specifically to the Corinthians as one local representation of that body. So considering that the church is the body of Christ, let's examine two diseases within the body that we must reject, and then one truth for us to cling to in unity to build us up as the body of Christ. I'm going to do this a little bit out of order. So we're going to begin in the uh, second part of the passage in verse 21. So if you want to, you can read along with me. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our 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 sorry and our We first, the first disease we've really got to reject is the disease of superiority and self-reliance. That's the first one, the disease of superiority and self-reliance. There seems to be a distinction here between those who are considered more honorable and those who are considered less honorable parts of the body. Now. In the body of Christ, if you think about it as members of the body, some people are the eyes and the heads, maybe the hearts, the lungs, the important parts as we think. Others are the hands and the feet, or maybe the kneecaps. Now this distinction isn't based upon sin here. The hands and feet aren't considered less honorable because of anything that they have done, but rather how they're composed by God for that particular role. We see in verse 24, That God has composed the body. God is the one who's made them in the way they are. So it's not sin that's distinguishing them. That would be an issue that needed to be addressed. If they were considered less honorable because of what they had done, that would be an issue. But these are just less honorable because of maybe how society considers, or even our own church culture considers, different gifts. Some maybe have more distinction than others. Not everyone leads us in worship every week. Some are just a member of the choir and don't have a special solo, but yet each member has a specific part. They may may not be noticed as much for their contributions, but their contributions are important. I remember when I was baptized in this church in 2008, it was Pastor Kerry Olson who was the one who actually baptized me, but he was not the one who filled up the baptismal. That was one of our deacons. One of our deacons came early, made sure it was nice and balmy, a nice, comfortable, warm water for us to enter. There was a robe ready, there was a towel ready, and everything else was done, but yet that deacon was never mentioned and was never honored as part of the service. How important was he, though, in the entire baptismal process? So these distinctions, they're simply based on different spiritual gifts— some may be considered more spectacular, others more ordinary. But one thing we must not do is we must not say that we are not in need of others. I can imagine Pastor Carry bringing me up to baptize me. I get in, and the baptismal is empty. Well, I don't know exactly how long it would take to fill up, but I don't think the church would have wanted to wait an hour or so to get to the baptism. Pastor Carey absolutely needed the deacon to fill it up and to do the work that he was doing. So don't consider yourself to be without need, especially of those that are maybe seemingly weaker and their gifts. In verse 21, we see, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary— Those members of the church that seem to be weaker are, in fact, necessary. They're absolutely essential to the entirety of the church. So, we got to be aware of thinking or being tempted to think that those seemingly weaker—now, I'm saying seemingly weaker because over and over again I want to emphasize that—those that are seemingly weaker, those that exercise their gifts in ways that are not as uh, shown, they're not as in front of us, aren't, in fact, weaker, brothers and sisters— They just appear to be because their gifts are not the, quote, more honorable ones. But yet, they need to be lifted up just the same. So, we need to beware, thinking that they're not needed, and that they are not important, and that they are not building us up in our faith. We've got to believe that each person in the church is, in fact, necessary, and honor them by obeying all of the one another commands in Scripture— So not only do we have to not think we're too good and without need for these weaker brothers, but we need to go beyond that. We need to care for them and care for them specifically. Verse 25, that the members may have the same care for one another. So instead of flaunting your own maybe supposed spiritual superiority, genuinely care for each other. We see the opposite of division due to differences here in Paul's teaching is not simply unity, he doesn't see just be unified. He says, care for each other. How do you break down these, these barriers of divisions when one thinks of themselves as better than the other or different than the other? Care for the other person. You know, in Matthew 5, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, if we're, if we're to pray for our enemies and those who persecute you, and we're to love them, how much more should we love members of our church who have different gifts than us, and maybe in certain ways are socially different than us? How much more should we love them and care for their needs and build them up and encourage them? If we're going to love our enemies and pray for them, which we absolutely should do, We better be caring for and loving and building up members of our own body. Why, overall, why would we do all these things? Well, verse 24, because God composed the body. He is the one who has done it. God is the one who has brought each piece, each member together here to Rocky. People led by His Spirit for our benefit. For His purposes, but our benefit. So, embrace our differences and value each member of the body. Don't think, I'm a deacon. I'm so much better than these other people. I'm not one of those elders. I'm a deacon. I've got all the honor. Don't think that way. Think instead of ways in which you can build up others and encourage others. Think instead of ways in which we can honor those who are serving in every aspect here at Rocky. From greeting, to nursery, to child, uh, to children's ministry, to our worship ministry, and every element that we have. So the first disease we have to reject is disease of thinking that we don't need each other. The second one, and we have got to go back to the beginning of the passage and starting in verse 14. The second disease we must reject is on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's rejecting the disease of feeling worthless thinking that your gifts are not necessary for the body. In verse 14, I'll read, For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So what is the second disease? That feeling of worthlessness or uselessness. Now, I'm not talking about just individual worthlessness. I'm talking about you thinking that you don't have to use your gifts to build up the church. Maybe you're content being a member who only comes on Sunday. Maybe you're content being a member who is not actively serving within the church as a part of a life group and building up each other. I'm speaking to that disease. Maybe that's more common than the disease of feeling superior, superior, is feeling, they don't really need me. We got good preaching. We got good Sunday school teachers. It seems like the kids are taken care of. But yet, we do need you. As the church, we need each and every one of you. The foot saying, wow, look at that hand. So special. Look at all they can do. Look at all the honor that they receive. I could never be that great. I might as well not even Try to be a part of the body and meaningfully contribute. Or the ear saying, I'm just an ear, covered in hair, wax inside of me. Look at that eye. So beautiful, glorious, and wonderful. It Gets all the attention. Everyone always remarks about the color of your eyes. No one ever asks what color your ears are. I'm nothing like that, so I'm really no good for the body. I'm just going to come and, and just sit and not do anything more than that. So the ailment, really, what's the sickness? Is thinking that your gifts aren't needed here at Rocky. If God has brought you to Rocky, your gifts are needed at Rocky. So what are some ways we can confront and combat that feeling? Well, the first is just saying, it's simply not true. You are needed here, and your gifts are needed here. Verse 15, the second half. If the foot should say, because I'm not the body, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And emphasize on that. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Thinking of yourself as not needed doesn't change the fact that you are, in fact, needed. I could go back to the analogy of my daughter. Thinking that, ah, it's just her ear, don't worry about it, doesn't change the fact that it caused a whole host of issues. Each of us has probably... Uh, had one very small part of our body knock us down and put us in our beds, whether that was a, a nerve in our back or an appendix or anything else. One of the smallest members of our body, yet still absolutely essential to us on a whole. So arguing that you're useless is just invalid, that's Paul's response, doesn't change anything. You could say, I'm not really needed. The fact is, you're here, you are needed. And as part of the body of the Christ, you have been redeemed by Him. You have been indwelt and empowered by His Spirit. And you have been endowed with unique gifts given by Him, not just for your own sake, but to build up others, to help equip the church on the whole. So the first way we confront that, it's not true, and just remind yourself of that over and over again. If you think, ah, should I sign up? Should I be a part of that? They don't really need me to do that. You're wrong. They do. We do. Second, though, is without diversity, the basic nature of the body would not exist. In verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? The body is not one member. It is by definition many. And being more specific, the body is by definition not just a lot of members, but a lot of different members. So imagine if you had a dentist save the teeth he pulled, he had a whole big bag of teeth and he said, hey, look at my friend here, bag of teeth. That would be a body of all members being the same. But the diversity that we have is what builds us up and what makes us a body, what makes us better than just a large group of all of the same gift. Now, we all love Pastor Troy—me, maybe, in a special way—but none of us would want 400 Pastor Troys here at Rocky Bay Baptist. (laughs) That just wouldn't work. We have to be different. We have to have different gifts. The very existence of the body depends on that diversity, each playing a a role to build each other up in service to us all, each using their own giftings. So. To confront it, we first, it's not true. Second, we've got to realize we need the diversity, without it the body wouldn't exist. And the third is this, to think of yourself and your gifts as not needed for our church is in fact to challenge God Himself and His design for this church. To think of yourself as I am not needed to be a part of it, they don't really need me to join a life group, they don't need me to serve in any meaningful way, is to challenge God Himself. Why? Well, because He is the one who's brought you here. He is the one who builds His church. He is the one who does all. In the midst of acting on this feeling and maybe feeling less than others, and embracing that notion that maybe the church would be better without you. Perhaps I should just be like Him. It would be better if I was exactly like Him. You're rejecting God's intent and His design for the church. So let's turn then to God's plan for the body. We reject these two diseases, well what is God's plan? for the body. And the third point is we embrace God's sovereign creativity that's on display in this body. We can see that in two parts of our passage, starting in verse 12, verses 12 and 13, and then again in verses 18 through 20. So in verses 12 and 13, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. When we talk about the body, of the church, and specifically this local body, we need to be clear that every member here, in order to be a member of Rocky Bay Baptist, through your baptism, and in other ways, you have publicly declared your repentance in faith, In our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You have publicly declared that you are a follower of Jesus. As such, each member is sealed with the Spirit and graced with gifts of God. So, when we look around and look at each other's other members, maybe those members that we are tempted not to get along with, we must remember that they also have been sealed and gifted by the Spirit. Now, some may be more adept at using their gifts. Others of us need to be encouraged to do so. Some members may not know, well, what are my gifts? How can I serve? How can I really build these up? And they may need help to do so. We need to help them, nourish them, help develop the gifts that God has given them so that then they can continue to build up the body of Christ. But we're all members, and as sharing in one spirit, that is God's spirit, We can be unified across our differences. We can be unified across the barriers that the world places in front of us every day, some of which are real and some of which are made up. We can be unified across our ethnic lines, our social lines, our gender lines, our national background lines, and more. We are one in Christ. And as one in Christ, we get to drink of the same spirit as we receive from His word through our worship of Him. Let's look at verse 18 through 20. This is our theme verse. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, many parts, yet one body. So who arranged us? Who arranged us, the members of this body at Rocky? Who arranged each one of us from the oldest to the youngest? Who is it who arranged us? Who brought us here, not to another church, not to another place, but to Rocky Bayou? God did. He chose us and he brought us here. He is the one who built up this local body through bringing us to be a part of it. We all came here through different ways. Some of you maybe are just visiting and considering whether you want to join. I encourage you, please do. But God has brought us through different means to this one place. And I don't mean this sanctuary, but I mean this body, this group of people. He's the one who did it. He brought us here. He gave us each our spiritual gifts for the building up of each other. As we can see in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He is the one who's willed our gifts and given them to us. God is sovereign in designing His body for His purposes, for the manifestations of His Spirit through His creative manner, for His glory. It's all about Him. You heard that multiple times in that one sentence. So why do we reject the disease of superiority? Why do we reject the disease of maybe feeling worthless? Because God made you. God gave you your gifts— And God gave you those gifts, not just for you, but to benefit each other, each and every one of you. So I know Troy often ends his time by saying, let's land the plane and bring this to application, but I am not a pilot, so let's beach this boat. (laughs) How does this apply in the context specifically? This week we're talking about missions at Rocky. How does this apply in the context of missions? Well, every one of us has a part to play. It doesn't matter if you are a member who has been here for 40 years or if you are one of our EOD guys at the training camp and you've only been here a couple months and you've got six months left. Join. Don't wait. You may think, I've only got six months, military's gonna move me. I might, I'm just gonna—we'll wait and see, I'll just attend. Join the church. Be a part of it. Be meaningfully involved. If you want to waste six months, go ahead. But our life's too short. Don't waste six months. Come join the church. Be a part of it. Each one of us has a part to play. We won't all be the feet. This week we are highlighting some of our missionaries that are sent to the other world. You can think of maybe as the feet or as a toe sent to the other side of the world. We're not all of that. We won't all be the support team who stays here and sends out. But we each have roles using the gifts of God and the service of God missions, the service of the mission of the church, which is to make disciples of all peoples everywhere, that Troy gets to focus on next week. So for each of us, we need to be embraced, being on mission, sent out by Christ to be disciple-makers wherever you are. And I can say this personally for Julie and I, and I know maybe for some of our other missionaries, the most encouraging thing you can do for us I i not say this lightly, literally, the thing that builds us up the most, even beyond visits and everything else, which we appreciate, even beyond care packages and emails and all of that, the thing that encourages the absolute most is to see when you are active members of the body of Christ, and beyond that, when you're actively on mission here in Oklahoma County, when you, the thing that builds us up the most is when you courageously share Christ with those around you here. We don't live here. We don't have neighbors who are here any longer. We live in the other side of the world. But knowing that you're here, and that you're taking the gospel to Niceville and beyond, that you're defying the temptation to fear man more than you fear God—and be quiet—you're defying the lie of our culture that's more important to honor, that may be taboo, don't speak about religion. You're defying the desires of our adversary, Satan who doesn't want you to talk about your faith and you go share the gospel with someone else? You know, I often think people of other religions in the United States are still propagating their faith. It's hard to get in Walmart without a Mormon coming up to you. Why can't we be more like that? To love God, love your neighbor with the good news of the gospel, that is literally the single most encouraging thing that you can do for us. That builds us up. That gets me fired up. When I hear of members here who shared their faith with someone here in Niceville, I get so excited. That gets me going and keeps me going for weeks. So please continue to do that. So each of us embrace being on mission. For the goers, for those of us who are the ones who've been sent out, we need to encourage the body to join in with our ministry. We need to be active at giving them ways to pray for us. Giving them ways to come and visit us, creatively involve members here at the church in support roles, ways in which they can build us up, and we felt that we have been supported well by you all. But continue to do that. Our role is to help find ways in which you can do that better. For the senders, for those who are here, what can you do? For the majority of you, first you can pray, know the needs of your missionaries. The church does a good job in helping you with this. Every two weeks, there's a, a, a list of prayer requests from your missionaries that's emailed to you. Read it, pray through it, pray through it with your kids as a family. Give, uh, uh, lift them up in prayer. You gotta realize, without your supplication, the gospel doesn't go forth. I was reminded of this just a few weeks ago. One of our teammates in another country right across the river from where we are at, Uh, She had a knee injury. Her visa was not secure where she was at, but we took the risk and she came down to Singapore. She got her surgery. But going back and forth across the border without a valid visa really in either country is kind of hard. But before we went back across, we had a few hundred people in the United States praying for the crossing to go well. We drove up to the crossing. There was not a car in sight. We just drove straight in, handed passports, handed back us, drove to the other side, and drove through. It was the easiest crossing I've ever had. And we crossed that border multiple times every month. And afterwards, I thought, wow, we we must have gone the right time, failing to realize once again, no, there were hundreds of people praying for that specific crossing. And it was those prayers that made it easy. It was those prayers that got no questions asked, hey, why are you coming back into the country? Why are you with this other guy? What are you guys doing? No questions asked, breeze right back in. Without your prayer, the the gospel doesn't go forth around the world. So pray and give. Give of your time. Ways in which you can serve. Think about the missions committee. I'm sure they could use more members. I'm sure they would appreciate dividing the task to others. Serve the missionaries while you're on stateside. And once again, we've been recipients of that. And many of you have have done that. But for others coming back, think of ways you can give of your time to serve them. And of your resources. For us, we're, we're supported through the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. That the church gives from in December. That's a great thing. It's a collaboration, thousands of Southern Baptist churches around the United States partnering together for the sake of church planning around the globe. So pray and give and then be open to going. Could it be? God's calling you to the nations. Not just the young ones, not just the teens or the youth, not just the college students maybe some of the retirees. Could it be God's calling you to the nations? We've seen God use retirees. I've seen it in Indonesia. We saw it in Guinea-Bissau. People in their 70s, retired, thinking, I'm not going to waste the rest of my life. I'm going to go and serve God with whatever I've got, coming to the mission field and being a major impact and a major part of what was going on there. Could it be? But would you be at least willing to go to the Lord and offer Your lives in service of the Savior, regardless of the cost, for His glory among the nations? Would it be that you would approach, as David Platt will say with a blank check, and say, God, fill it out. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Now, perhaps you've already done that, and you feel confident your role is to stay here in support. Be a good supporter. Because the fact is, we need every one of our body involved. We need goers, and we need supporters. Four, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let's pray. Father, to think of how creative you are. To make us all different and not the same. We feel that blessing in our marriage, we're not married to someone like us. We feel that blessing in our friendships, that our friends are not like us. Father, we feel that blessing in our church, that each of us does not have the same passion. We bless you that you've given some the passion of music, and others the passion of of children, and others the passage of service. You've given each of us different gifts. So we thank you for that. May it be, Father, that each of us uses our gifts for you. That we seek to use the time and energy and resources that you have given us and our experiences to bless others, to build up your church so that your church can be on its mission both here in Niceville and beyond. Until the whole world knows of you, until the whole world praises you, Until that vision we see in Revelation comes true. That there are worshipers of you from every language, every tribe, every people, every nation. Uncountable worshipers of you. May it be, Father, we pray in your son's name. Amen.